welcome to the Coon Hunting University podcast, where we'll discuss all things coon hounds, from competition hunting to pleasure hunting with family and friends. I'm your host, Alan Bridges, and we'll take an in-depth look at our hounds from the whelping box to the winter circle and all the stops in between. So grab your notebooks and your pencils because class is in session. Coonhunting University is presented by Extreme Dog Fuel. Feed it for life. Find out more at ExtremeDogFuel.com. And Superior Hunting Lights. Superior, step up to the max. Use the 5% discount code CHUPODCAST at checkout on NightHunters.com. Out of all the big changes that we've seen at Coonhunting University, here's a new one. It's Mr. Allen Bridges is going to be recording and doing interviews for Coonhunting University. He's part of the team. We're happy to have him. Alan's well-versed in podcasts. He's been on Coonhunting University podcast, and he's been on Houndsman XP. He was on a couple, been on a couple of other ones. I mean, you know, he's a popular guy, right, Alan? So, and people that have listened to any podcast, they've kind of heard you talk a little bit about yourself, but tell us a little bit more about yourself, and, and why do you want to start doing this? Uh, my name's Alan Bridges, and... I've been coon hunting since I was about 15. I'm 45 now, so I've been about doing it about 30 years. I love to coon hunt. I love everything about the dogs. I love hunting the dogs, training the dogs, com- competing with the dogs. I breed dogs, and I've just enjoyed it so much. This is a way that, that I can maybe help give back and maybe shine a light on other breeders. I'm not probably gonna go after the the ones that win the world hunts or win the super stakes or stuff like that. I like the guys that have been doing it for a long time, that have been very successful at it in terms of creating dogs that do what they're designed to do and do it well. I've been fortunate to own some pretty good hounds um i may get a little criticism because i don't compete on a big stage very often but i do have a career Um, it was my first love and i'm i'm a farmer and i do love the hounds but i've got other irons in the fire so to speak so you may not see me at the super stakes or at the world hunt but i try to do make I try to make a couple of, of of big hunts a year. The the thing that I like to try to do now is is the tournament of champions. I got lucky enough to have hunt one of the uh, top sixty four dogs in the country last year to get in to get into that hunt, and I enjoyed it so much that that I'm going to try to do it again. And got my fingers crossed that that I'll be lucky enough to do that. But I'm more of a a, a local kind of guy there's a lot of good dogs in my area and a lot of dogs that that do compete on a big stage and we're liable to go head to head on wednesday night for bragging rights but we don't get out and and beat each other up on social media or anything like that or even hardly even tease and it, it's just between us i want to i just wanted to showcase some of the down-to-earth people the the I guess the meat and potatoes part of it. And that's great. Really it is. And I'm happy to have you here and I think it's going to be awesome. And, you know, we're about to really release a lot of content to the listeners because, you know, you're doing interviews, I'm doing interviews, Jason Snell Grove's doing interviews. 
And so the difference in what you're doing and what Jason's doing is you're actually releasing under Coonutton University. So if it's on Coonutton University. If Jason does, it's on Coonutton Collective. No, no pressure, right? <laughs> yeah, no pressure. I mean, but I think it's great, and I'm, I'm happy to have you on here. I really am. Well, I'm, I'm glad to be part of the team. The first one that I did, I enjoyed it, and then I got to do another one, and then I enjoyed it, and I did yours and enjoyed it. Chris Powell asked me on on the the Houndsman XP one, you know, why do you think I, I called you to do a podcast? And my answer was because I got a big mouth and a lot to say. And that's still true. I just wanted to be able to maybe use this podcast as a way to showcase some everyday kind of coon hunters that do a good job. I know a lot of folks because I've been doing it a long time. And maybe their heyday was 1992 and people have kind of forgot about them, but you know, they did a good job back when they were in their prime. And maybe I hate to say over the hill because that I can start to see the top of it pretty close. I just wanted to make sure that, you know, there's more to what we do than just competition hunting. And there's more to it than what we do than, than, than just pleasure hunting I, I love every aspect about it so i, I kind of part of my intro you'll hear is you know we're going to talk about issues that affect us and our dogs from the whelping box to the winter circle so i, I kind of want to you know go over a broad range of things um, one of the f- first few things that that we'll talk about on you know when i'm doing some interviews or i've got about three or four podcast and Tyler's will be the first time you hear about this that are some folks that that have been inspirational to me and have been you know some mentors to me and a lot of people won't know who they are some folks will the ones that are you know especially in my I don't want to say area but more my region of the of the country uh, these people have done a lot for me and I've learned a lot from them and so they'll be you know, a little series, three or four that, that I'll do that, that'll kind of reflect on what those folks have given me. And it'd be an opportunity for, for me to, you know, let them talk about, I don't want to say themselves, but, but their dogs and, and what they've accomplished. And, and I get to say on, on some of those, uh, how they, how they taught me and, and how they helped me out to get to where I am today. And that that's that's awesome, man. I'm I'm really happy that you get to do that. I really am. It's, it means a lot to me that you're able to do that through this podcast. It really does. And I'm 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 looking forward to it. And I'm, you know, I got to listen to this interview that you're about to do today, or that you've done, and it's being released today with Trevor Hack. It's awesome. People are really going to enjoy it. I know they are. I'm looking forward to it being released and see how people receive it. Um, they may they may break out the the shovels and the pitchforks and run me off but i think this is something that that i'm going to enjoy doing and i'm i'm glad you asked me to to do it that was the biggest reason that i got involved with it is is you asked and and i said okay probably never would have just stepped out and done this on my own the way you did it i'm probably not that guy so kudos to you because i that was a pretty big undertaking and you've gotten this this podcast to where it has grown enough and you've got enough listeners to where you feel like you are able to expand and 
I'm proud and, and honored just to be a part of it. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. I really do. And I, I just, I think the more the merrier, you know what I mean? It's not about me. And I, I mean, I know that 100% and I've, that's one thing that I've stuck to this whole time on this podcast. It's not about me. It's about the guests and it's about, it's truly about capturing all of that, you know, and putting it somewhere for people to hear it. And that's really what I care about. And that's still what I care about. Yeah. It's done grown to be, I mean, bigger than I ever thought it would, but, and, and, you know, we have sponsors and everything now, but you have to have that to be able to keep the podcast sustainable sustainable at the level that it was or the level that it is at you know i mean it cost us money to run this and you know to go on trips to to these hunts and to go to these people's houses you know i mean i'm not making a killing at my job you know you you can probably make way more than i do you're a farmer you know uncle sam might not think so but the banker does right well it's it, i saw this on facebook the other day about farmers and the hardest job that I'm, I'm gonna mess it up, but the hardest job that a farmer has is to convince the IRS that we didn't make anything while at the same time convincing the banker that we did. Yeah, yeah. So, Alan, I know people are gonna love this. Without further ado, here's Mr. Alan Bridges and Mr. Trevor Hack. Y'all sit back and enjoy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're here with special guest today, Trevor Hack, and we're going to be talking about his involvement with the English Coonhounds and more specifically Grand Night Champion 4, Heat Seekers Unleash the Kraken. So, Trevor, I'm glad you could be with us today, and you just tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, uh, first of all, thanks a lot for uh, having me on here. I uh, sure appreciate it, and I don't I don't turn down the opportunity to talk these dogs much. <laughs> So I'm, uh, I'm 32 years old. I uh, work at a bank for about 10 years now. Uh, I'm married to my lovely wife, Jessica, and I have a two-year-old son named Aiden. That's about it as far as, uh, as, far as my history goes. I uh, got into coon hunting back when I was a kid. Uh, I've been doing it ever since. That's, that's awesome. Uh, how old were you when you started hunting? I, I used to beg my grandpa to go uh, when I was about five and six, and he he uh, he was really one, the only one in my family that coon hunted. So it kind of skipped a generation. My dad didn't ever really he never really got real interested in it. So it kind of it's kind of skipped a generation. He started taking me pretty consistently when I was about eleven. You know, he took me some before that, but my grandpa was more of a hide hunter. Uh, he did dabble a little bit into the competitions, but he uh, he worked uh, he worked asphalt and. He stayed gone on the road all all summer, and he would get laid off in the winter. So he would come back, and he uh, he really enjoyed hide hunting, and uh, he he paid for a lot of Christmases with with coon furs. So it was usually pretty cold, you know. <laughs> so be, me being small, most of the time he went. He didn't start taking me till I got a little bit older. I didn't I didn't have that growing up. My granddad hunted some, but my dad didn't, and my granddad had long since stopped hunting before I ever came around. So I, I, my story's a little different than yours, but it's, it's still, it's still great to learn how we all come to love this sport. Um, that's right. So how long have you hunted English dogs, Trevor? Uh, well, I, like I said, my grandpa, that's all he ever hunted was English dogs. Uh, more specifically, he hunted most of the dogs out of, uh, out of the Wilcox line, Larry and, uh, Charlie Garris. 
Charlie Garris actually owned an outdoor shop just about 10 minutes from where my grandpa lives. That was there when my grandpa retired and Charlie Garris was a, was a retired school teacher. He opened up that outdoor shop there and the older fellows would get together and play cards every afternoon and they'd go coon hunting at night. So my grandpa always, always had English dogs out of that line. So I've been around English dogs for quite a while, but I, I actually got my first English dog. Uh, I think it was 2013. I bought an English dog out of Main Street Jack from a guy in uh, Michigan named Joe Tracy. He was just a young started dog. I bought him, I believe he was around 10 months old. And that was my, that was my first English dog and kind of stuck with that line to this day. Well, that's cool. So I guess I should have asked you this to begin with, but you know, where do you call home? I live in, uh, I live in central Ohio, uh, almost smack dab middle of the state. So I'm kind of about 30 minutes uh, north of Columbus, about an hour and a half south of Cleveland. So I'm kind of right in the right in the center of the action here in Ohio. It's pretty oh, yeah, we pretty call flat that land. Zoo in Georgia. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we got we got pretty good we got pretty good coon population. Uh, the interesting thing about where I live is though you can go probably 45 minutes east of me, and you can be in some you can be in some I call them mountains here. <laughs> I'm sure others would disagree, but you can get into some pretty hilly stuff if you just go about 45 minutes east of me. Or you can go 45 minutes west of me, and it's literally the flattest. It's literally flatter than anywhere in the country, 45 minutes west of me. It's it's so flat that it, it lays wet all the time just because there's nowhere for the water to go. Wow. That's pretty flat. So yeah. tell us a little bit about Kraken and, and I've been I've been accused over the years of, of, of hanging a five dollar handle on a dog, but but that his name pretty unique how did he come with by that ah well i'd like to take a little bit of credit for his name but uh that was more so my partner grant whitmer he came up with the name you know pretty creatively but he started carrying him to the woods when he was about four months old he treated his first coon a few weeks after he started taking him just under he was about he was almost five months old when he treated his first when he treated his first wild coon at night he hadn't even had a name yet at that time and he thought, well, I got to get creative with this. I got to come up with something that's going to stick out, you know, something that's going to going to uh, stick to people when they hear it, you know. So that's that's how he came up with Pete Seekers mm-hmm. Unleash the Kraken. Yep, nobody forgets that. I I remember the first time <laughs> I read that, I was like, that sounds about like something I would do. <laughs> but yeah, uh, now the so we're we're uh, we're recording we're recording this on Sunday evening right after the grand american he had a he had a pretty good night last night didn't he yeah you, you know i'd seen he got a cast win i'd be lying to you if i knew any of the details i haven't actually spoke to uh, grant or the guy that was handling him but the guy that was handling him has only hunted with him one time prior to this that uh was at a, a grant in the grand 16 cast this summer in richmond indiana that was the only time he uh he actually hunted with him so for him to go and win a cast last night with little experience with him was pretty impressive. So I was glad to see that Mike got a cast win on him. That's pretty, that is pretty impressive, especially I know the area that the, the state where a lot of these guys hunted and it's been wet there. I, I deliver bulls all over South Carolina and North Carolina and my goodness at the water that they've had there. And, and you know, they call it low country, South Carolina for a reason. And, 
and I don't know if he I don't know if he drew up into the Piedmont or or if he had to stay down there in the Low Country. But if he had to stay in the Low Country, he was swimming. Yeah, I, I haven't actually spoke to him yet about about where he hunted. I haven't I haven't been able to been able to uh, uh, get him on the line or, or or speak with him yet. But I know they're probably headed home now, even as we talk, because they got quite a drive ahead of them, headed back to up around Vermont is where Mike lives. So that's quite a quite a journey to get to South Carolina to go to a coon hunt. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's I'm about 150 miles, so I mean I I just rode over there for for the day on Saturday. I've I've hunted in that thing before, and it I did it in 2002, and it was an AKC hunt. And let me tell you, I was swimming the whole night, and I swore if I ever got back to my truck, I would never ever do it again. <laughs> and I, so far, I've held true to my promise. All my friends give me a hard time about it, and I was like. Guys, yeah. I'm allergic to water. I don't know if I'll melt or float, but it, it won't be good. Right. Hey, hey, I admire those guys. I admire those guys that make dogs in those conditions, you know, because it, it, you come here and you hunt around me and you're, you're like, man, somebody always, somebody told me to comment to me. They said, well, you ought to have a bunch of world champions with the kind of hunting you have around here. And I said, well, the problem is I can't take this hunting everywhere I go. <laughs> I got to go, go hunt wherever, you know. That's, that's right. I mean, I mean it's, it's awesome to to have that kind of terrain to hunt on and and have that kind of game population there. You're you're one of the fortunate ones, except for maybe around I don't know February, January, February. It, it yeah. gets awfully cold there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, we we've been lucky this winter so far. We've been able to pretty much hunt just about any night we want to, but it's definitely cooling off. Like I think tomorrow night is supposed to get down to seven here seven degrees so <laughs> i don't i believe i'll stay in the house where it's warm i don't want to go oh, go chase those dollar coon well when we went up to the to the tournament in april my buddy and i left on a wednesday night and all i saw was pictures around Greencastle, indiana they had three or four inches of snow on the ground and it, here we are in the middle of april and i'm going oh god you know right. I, I was dreading being up there but it you know it was cool it was cool up there but it was it wasn't bad it was pretty good yeah. April weather, I thought, and the snow got out of there yeah. pretty quick. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it ended up turning out to be a pretty, pretty nice weekend to hunt, really. Kraken, where did he come from? And and if I'm not mistaken, you owned his sire, right? Yes, I did. Yeah, Kraken came from a, a, a litter out of Pennsylvania. Jeff Fish owned owned Kraken's mom, Poplar Run Roofless, from around Pennsylvania there, and. Uh, he had called and got a hold of me and wanted to breed to, to Main Street Blue, Kraken's dad, and I told him, "Yeah, absolutely. You know, it sounds like it's you know going to be going to be a good cross." And so we got it all planned. And my wife was actually pregnant at the time with our son, and so it was kind of it was kind of funny because I'm trying to I'm trying to line these two things up where they don't you know they don't conflict, and I can be home you know to meet this guy who's going to come five six hours to come breed to my dog. So. I thought, well, she was due on, on this date. And I thought, well, I think we're going to be all right. Well, she ended up going in, she ended up going into labor a few days early. So we actually had to go to the hospital. We're sitting there at the hospital and she started having contractions and she's getting ready to start delivering our son and my phone's going off and it's Jeff Fish. And he's there at my house and I totally forgot. And I have nobody there. So I got on the line. I called my grandpa real quick who didn't live far from me. And I said, Grandpa, I said, I got a, I got a problem. I said, I got a guy in, in my driveway. I said, he's ready to, ready to breed this female. I said, is there any way you could go down there and, and help, help get this done? 
So my grandpa actually got in his truck and drove over there and met Jeff. So I'll, my son ended up being born a few hours later. So you'll never, I'll never forget the night that that cross was made. We'll just, we'll just put it that way. Anyway, that's how, that's that's how, (laughs) yes, it was. Yeah. So I just knew something good was going to come out of that cross. Hey, y'all. Tyler here from Coonutton University. I want to talk to you a little bit about extreme dog fuel and what sets them apart. Superior nutrition at the lowest price possible. So they've been told the amount of vitamins and minerals they use in their feeds overkill and that they could reduce cost by incorporating less expensive ingredients in their formula. But they believe the right mix of important ingredients makes a huge difference in your hound's skin, coat, performance, durability, health, and longevity. They promise they'll never change their product to lower the price or to compete with cheap commodity dog foods. All their ingredients are taken from the South Central United States. So go check them out and you can find out more about Extreme Dog Fuel at extremedogfuel.com and find a retailer near you today. Extreme Dog Fuel, feed it for life. I, I had a feeling, I thought, man, all this craziness surrounding this cross, surely something's gonna uh, something's gonna happen some one of these dogs is gonna turn out in this in this litter so you know a few months a couple months goes by and she ends up having the pups and jeff was was trying to sell some of them and grant had uh, caught grant's eye he had been looking for a pup out of blue so he he went and met with jeff and there was one pup out of that litter that that Jeff would do some drags at three months old. And there was one pup that even after two hours, every time he would do a drag and he would take all the pups and put them away. There was one pup that just kept standing on that tree and would not, he said after two, three hours, this pup would still be out there treat. And it was incredible. I got a lot of videos of it. So he said, how much, how much would it take me to get that pup? He said, I really, and Jeff said, well, that's, that's my pup. So Grant said, well, how about if I buy four of them from you? If I buy four four of these pups, can I can I have that one? And he said, Yeah. So that's how we ended up with that's how we ended up with Kraken. So he had to get four to get him, but it's turned out it's turned out pretty good. Well, one of those pups turned out to be a dog named Stryker, and he was the tree champion, I think, at the Grand American this year. He won the treeing contest. Yeah, yeah, he sure did. Yeah, he was a uh, he he wasn't one of the ones Grant had initially bought either. That was a different one, but. Yeah, three out of the four that Grant actually bought have uh, have really have done some winning. The fourth one that that kind of he's been kind of sold a couple times. Uh, I had him at my house, but he had hip dysplasia when he was a pup. His hips didn't form right for some reason. It was kind of sorry to see him try to run around through the woods. He will tree a coon even to this day. He'll still he'll still get treated. It just takes him a lot longer. He didn't his hips didn't develop fully for whatever reason. But uh, yeah, so Grant. Grant ended up coming out pretty good getting getting all four of those pups off Jeff. All right. So does Kraken operate like Blue did or kind of compare and contrast their styles a little bit? Yeah. They're, I actually got Kraken from Grant when he was about seven months old. Grant hunts near the Adirondack Mountains in New York, and they uh, they don't have a very good coon population there, and it's pretty rough. Uh, they You talk to anybody that lives around that area, they they all say the same thing. They say we have three porcupines to one coon. They say we got two possums to one coon. So they they have a lot more off game there for for young dogs. And when Kraken started treeing consistently at five months old, uh, 
I told Grant, I said, Grant, you need to get him up here where, you know, we can get his focus more on Coon instead of, instead of all this off game. When he was seven months old, he actually brought him to me and I started hunting him along, alongside Blue. They hunted, I would say he learned a lot from Blue those first three or four months that I, I hunted them together. They, they do hunt very, very similar. Kraken's a little more cold nose than Blue was. I would think Blue was more of a medium nose dog. Kraken has kind of an old school nose. He can tree an old three or four hour old track and he can really move it. Or you can drop him down the fence row edges, cornfields, bean fields, and he'll just he'll just pick them off down the edge. The that line of dogs is are are more of an edge edge hunting style of dog, which for my country, we have a lot of crop fields, we have a lot of field edges, we have a lot of fence rows. So to have a dog that you can flip down a fence row, they just kinda kind of pick those coon off on the edges up eating you know that's that's really the kind of dog that i that i really like to keep is is one that can pick pick those coons up off the edges and both blue and cracking mm-hmm. that's kind of that's kind of their strong suit you know is 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 being able to treat those type of coon i got you so you you mentioned that grant whitmer was your partner and and i gotta say that i when you just said he lived in the at around that mountains in New York, it kind of threw me for a loop because his address says Utah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, well, or I think it, it, I, I, I think it throws a lot of people off. But yeah, he does. He goes back and forth between between the two places. I think his uh, his parents have a big farm, a big cattle a big cattle farm in New York. So he goes back and forth. I think he helps his dad quite a bit. Okay. Uh, with the cattle, yeah, they they do some bulls too. He so he goes back and forth between the two places. Kraken is is one of the winningest young English dogs that that I'm aware of. If you could just name off some of his accomplishments, you know, I and I know that he was one of seven English dogs that made the final or the top sixty four in the tournament of champions last spring. Kind of tell our listeners what he's done. I mean, he's he's a young dog and he's won a bunch. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, it's been, it's been real fun. Uh, it's been real fun chasing him around and and seeing him progress, even as a as a puppy. To you know, he still really is a young dog. He's only two still. Uh, he'll be three in April. But uh, yeah, we you know the first I'd say the first kind of big win we won around around locally was the uh, the Ashland Ohio Spring Blue Tick Hunt. You know, it draws over a hundred dogs. You know, most years it's a good time. You know, it's about an hour north of me and. We 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 were uh we were double cast winners there and got overall overall winner, and then we went on to to win national blue tick days this year in Milton, Indiana. Had a couple real good casts up there both Friday and Saturday night. Uh, Chad McCoyne, he's a he's a big he's a big uh, man in the, in the black and tan breed. Uh, I've always wanted to hunt with Chad because I you know he does real well at Autumn Oaks uh, a lot of years. He's been in the Grand Sixteen you know several times I believe. He was he was my guide up there on Friday night. And we just, we had a great cast. Uh, we got a truck ticket, uh, last year in April. So that was, that was exciting. So we'll be able to compete in the, uh, the truck hunt in Mississippi here this spring. We did, as you said, made the uh, top, uh, 64 tournament of champions. That was really, that was really exciting hunt. And I'm, I thought the, the, the zones went well. I, I really thought UKC did a great job putting that hunt on there in Indiana. And I'm looking forward to trying to make that final again. And I know they expanded it this year too, to I believe a hundred and I'm not sure the exact number of dogs, but they're taking over a hundred dogs this year. 
I think it's I think it's ninety six now unless oh, they've changed you, it since the last time I read anything. Kyle, about you, it. You, you could be but right. They, you could be right. I, I knew they were expanding it some. But yeah, uh, yeah they added we, another uh, round. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So hey, uh, I I love yeah, what they're doing. I love yeah. I love the changes that they're that they're making and you know trying to improve things. That's great. They're listening to the listening to the hunters and you can't you can't ask an organization to do any more really. Kraken and I we we got in the Grand Sixteen oh, no, at Autumn Oaks this you. year. Yeah, it's, I I got in it with his with his dad Main Street Blue a couple years ago too, and uh, that's just a fun hunt. You know, I love Autumn Oaks. It's not that far from me. It's about three hours or so. It's not 10 hours. You know, I understand people come from all over to go to Autumn Oaks. I, I respect those people that, that make that drive to go to a coon hunt. And then Kraken and I, we got in the top 16 of the Ohio State race in PKC. So that was kind of a goal that I'd had with him. We'll be able to compete in that top 16 here here in the next year. Well, good deal. I guess that my next question was going to be, what was your opinion of that hunt? I, I thought it was awesome. I mean, I thought it was well ran as far as I could tell. Everybody got along. I didn't hear a crossword all weekend. You know, obviously my cast didn't go the way I would have wanted it to go. My dog pulled a pulled a whoops on the on on the first drop in the first five minutes. I mean, she looked awesome doing it, but when I got there, there was a really old raccoon with a white face and a slick tail sitting about twelve feet off the ground. <laughs> All I can do is take yeah. a picture of it and carry it back to the truck with my buddy and said, hey, man, have you ever seen a $1,000 possum? <laughs> and, and laugh about it, but, you know, right. that, that's just the way. And, and I'd, never, I'd never seen her do that before. I mean, I, I'd hunted with her a bunch, but I'd never handled her until the till the Friday night of the region hunt. I thought she had as good a chance as, a, as 63 other dogs until about six minutes after we turned loose, and then I realized I didn't. But uh, <laughs> she's qualified again. Excellent. We we're going. I, I don't know that I'm hunting her this year. I I got an, another female qualified, but I I loved that hunt. It was just so much fun. I, man, it, they they rolled out all the stops. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, it was. So, I really I mean, enjoyed that, it. That was, that's know. my opinion of it. I, yeah, no, I I agree. Yeah, it it was a very very professionally ran event, and I I love what they were doing with the the broadcasters there. You know wanting to tell it, wanting to put it on YouTube and, you know, wanting to draw interest from outside people, you know, people that might not understand what, what all entail, you know, goes on in a coon hunt. You know, they wanted to bring people in and interview people. And I really oh, yeah. thought that was great. Yes. Our sport's not all that mainstream in terms of what you see on TV. I mean, they got Buckmasters and, and duck commander and all kinds of stuff for deer hunting and duck hunting and you name it other kind of hunting but you know the dog folks uh we've we've kind of taken a back seat and i really applaud ukc and and several other organizations for for trying to get our story out there i i think they're they're on the right track yeah yeah absolutely totally agree and it any kind of positive attention to get people involved and to get people started and you know it, it it's great and i'm all about it you know, I'm all about it. I thought UKC with the with the event there, the venue that they that they chose, it was just it was great. And I I told people, I said, you know, even though I didn't win, I had a similar situation just like you had. Uh, I ended up going out in the in the in the finals, the first round, just exactly the exactly like you said. <laughs> we 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 could have switched dogs and had the same had the same outcome. But yeah, we we flipped our dogs loose and two dogs struck right off the lead. 
I mean, they were, they were running, and they were legit. They were running a track, you know, 15 feet in front of us where we cut loose. Only two of them. Mine hadn't opened, and the fourth dog hadn't opened. Well, they drove that track in there about 100 yards away from us, and they were treating about two minutes. Now, mine never opened. He went right on past them, and then he struck. And I thought, well, good, you know. We could tell that their dogs were in the ground. I could tell, you know, they were only 150 yards from us. They were all muffled and shutting up real bad. Next thing you know, I hear mine coming back toward them. And I hear him go and I hear him go in there. Now oh, no. one strong suit about Kraken is he's he's very independent and he has been from a time he was just just, you know, eight, nine months old. He's been very independent. But he came in he came into those dogs and I thought, well, worst case scenario, you know, I'll I'll tree for twenty five and get you know, get my twenty five circle, be a hole, you know, and I'll go about my way. Well, we go in there and they they were digging a they were digging the wrong creature up when we got in there. So my trip was pretty short and sweet kind of like yours well i had a great time up there i I hunted thursday night pleasure hunted thursday night and pleasure hunted saturday night so my i didn't do what i wanted to do in the hunt but man we had such a good time up there hunting the guy that carried me hunting he asked me he says uh, can you cast your dog across this cornfield and i'm looking over there and you can see the trees and they're two or three hundred yards away and i said yeah i can cast him i said if you wanted to you know, he'll, he'll go wherever he's got to go. I'm not worried. He's, well, I was just wondering. I, I didn't know, you know, you're, you're from Georgia and, and y'all may not do it this way. I said, oh, no, we don't do it this way. But I believe <laughs> if he thought there was a coon on the moon, he'd try to go get it. We cast him. And, boy, I tell you, it was that was some fun times. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. After, I, don't, I, don't get after. To, I don't get to see that. I don't get to see that many coons in a night. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Most of the time. Yeah, they. Yeah, that's some great hunting around there. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's really. Yeah, I thought it was a great place to have have that final. You know, most of the cast uh, people that were in other casts that I you know talked to, they said, oh yeah, we seen three, four, five coon. My cast it ended up being one of the only dead casts in the because of course three of us were scratched right off, but the fourth dog, he uh, he did tree a coon, but he made two slick trees too, so he minus out. That's the only bad thing about being the only dog. You know, you're getting the you're getting the big ends on everything your dog does, good and bad. Yep. Yeah. Well mine my cast was oh, we had a cast winner. I think he had twenty five points at the end. Two of us went out on the possum and there was another dog on that cast. Oh, I think she was a little older and I don't know how far she had to come, but she just didn't seem like she was too into it too much about going hunting. She finally did go hunting, but I don't like I said, I left right after. I wasn't. Yeah. I I knew the judge that we had, and I wasn't worried at all about any kind of shenanigans on that cast. And I just I told Irv, my my buddy, I said, let's go get something to eat. It's ten o'clock. And I'm hungry again. <laughs> yeah. And so right. so we went and found us a hamburger. But no, I don't yeah, want there. I thought it was an awesome event, and I I just I got my I got my fingers crossed that I'm lucky enough to get into it again. Oh. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I hope you but, do. You I, know, I'd love to see it. There's going to be a lot more dogs at the at the regions this year. Yeah, yeah, it looks there's like there's going to be a looks lot like... more competition for us this year. I thought it was pretty stiff last year. It was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my my first night uh, out there at the, at the zones, it was. I just got out dog. I drew a, like a six year old uh, six year old Walker male from I believe he was from West Virginia, but we cut loose and. I shut them out on the first drop. Sounded like all four dogs treed with mine. Well, 
when we got in there, one was split and other three were in a tree and they were in a 10 foot, a 10 foot tall snag that was broke off and they were barking down the bottom of the hole. I thought, man, this is a tough break. Cause I heard mine run it. I mean, I heard him scream and come on it. Right. I figured he had a coon and I stuck my phone in there just even though it couldn't be scored. You know, I just wanted to know. I stuck my phone in there and flipped it over on, on video real fast while I was getting him out of there. The coon was about two foot above his head. So, of course, in UKC, you're not allowed to use anything like that, phones or mirrors. Or I just had to grit my teeth and take my, my circle points and, and go on. And then that other older dog, he ended up training three coons in that in that block. And I think he ended up with, I think he ended up with 500. He didn't end up getting through. I hated to see that because he was a nice dog. My zone, it took... It took several hundred plus single night cast score to get through. The first night it was pretty cold. It was in the third. It was like thirty degrees that Friday night. Went in Saturday. It warmed up to about forty-five. Coon were really moving. I just I had a phenomenal cast with three really good people and Saturday night and we uh, we treat a pile of coon. I think we scored on. I believe we ended up scoring on ten coon Saturday night, and we just had a great cast. Oh wow! Yeah, that was. Ten, I've scored 11 that's, coon that in my life. Unbelievable. For me, for a guy yeah. like me. <laughs> oh, I, I hear you. Yeah. Somebody says that's, 10 coon. And there, there were no feeder. There were no feeders or feeder buckets involved. It was all legit. It was 10 coon. Dogs were split most of, you know, most of cast. They'd be split 40, 50, 60 yards apart, you know. Really, it was really a good cast. I had a gentleman in the cast called me the next oh. week after it was in that cast that he and one of the females that I drew and he ended up calling me and, he, he told me, he said, Hey, he said, you got any, he said, you got any pups, pups out of that dog. He said, I, he said, I'd really like to get one lined up. <laughs> and I said, no, unfortunately we don't, we don't have any at this time. We ended up calling me a few weeks later, his female came in heat and he came in and, and bred her to crack. And so I was, you know, it, it's amazing the people you meet and, it, and it's good to see a dog operate firsthand. So I'm a big, I'm a big believer in that, you know, seeing a dog for yourself and Absolutely. seeing if you, if you like what you see. That's that's where good crosses are made. When people see it with their own eyes and We are proud to have Conkey's Outdoors as a sponsor of CHU Podcast. Conkey's is your complete hunting and hound supply store. They carry brands like Garmin, Daltra, Dan's, and even Summit Tree Stands and much, much more. Whether you're in the market for a new thermal or a new hunting rifle, Conkey's has it all. They even offer financing options. Being a family-run business with customer service that is second to none, it's no wonder why Conkey's is the best in the business. So go check them out at conkeysoutdoors.com or find them on Facebook at Conkey's Outdoors. I don't think we do enough of that, to be quite honest with you. And I don't care yeah. what, what flavor dog you have. We need to get out and, and, and visit. I've always said that the coonhound world is, is a lot like, the, like my real-life job. The business that that we're in, man, it's it's not all about the dogs. Of course, it's got a lot to do with it, but this is a people deal and getting along with your fellow hunters and and I would encourage anybody. I mean, if you see something you like, you know, do your best. If you think it's going to improve you, just get some of it if you can. And sure, I think that's the way we ought to approach it. You know, I'm I get a little bit. I'm, I'm guilty of getting a little bit barn blind. I'm, I, I kind of breed pretty close to the vest just because I don't get out and see a lot of dogs. And I I want to hunt with 
the dogs and you know so if you look in my pedigrees at my place on those i could go back and say well i own this one or this one and this one i've hunted with this one and 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 and i can just about tell you a story and map out that pedigree of, of of the dogs because i've either had them on the end of my chain in my kennel or you know i've been in the woods with them and and so that's just how i am i don't fault anybody for not if if a dog's you know been proven to to put them on the ground you know by all means if you don't have a chance to hunt with it and you know if that if you think that's the the hound for you then get some of it but you know for me i'm i should have been i should have been born in missouri i guess because you got to show me (laughs) yeah great so so So, yeah tell me again uh, how you and grant got hooked up yeah so out of the blue, uh, I first I first got a call from Grant about three or four years ago. My phone goes off and caller ID comes up and the number says Utah on my phone. And I thought, well, this has got to be a telemarketer. You know, I'm definitely not answering this. They'll, if it's important, they'll leave me a message. Well, about 10 minutes goes by and I check my phone again and I got a voicemail and it's from Grant. He says, hey, uh, my name is Grant Whitmer and I, you know, wanted to talk to you a little bit about Main Street Blue and if you could just give me a call back, so... I thought, well, I don't know what in the world I'm going to waste my waste hours of my time for calling somebody from Utah talk, wanting to talk about uh, coon dogs because I didn't even I didn't even think anybody coon hunted in Utah, but come to find out, I guess they do have a couple uh, a couple UKC clubs in Utah. Who would who would have thought it? So yeah. Anyway, I call Grant back and I end up talking probably way longer than I should have, probably about two hours on the phone with him, talking about Main Street Blue and couple of the other dogs I'd had out of that line. And uh, when I hung up, my wife asked me who I was just talking to. And I, I told her, I said, oh, just some guy from Utah. And she she always gets a kick out of me. She said, how in the world could you sit there and talk to somebody that you've never met for hours about uh, about dogs? And I said, well, hey, it's easy to do when you start talking about these dogs. But I did, inside, I did think to myself, well, I probably just wasted you know, two hours of my life, I'll never get back for a guy I'll never meet. <laughs> you know, you talk to so many people in this sport, uh, especially when you're yeah. trying to trying to push a stud dog. You know, I'm sure you you can relate. You get a lot of you get a lot of calls and a lot of messages, and you know, most of them don't go anywhere. But this one, this one did end up turning into something. But uh, he had told me, he said, "Well, I'd love to come. I'd love to come up and 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 see him and see him go. Would you take me hunting with him?" And I said, "Well, yeah, absolutely." And I thought. Yeah, right. This guy's never, he's never going to come go hunting. Well, after we got done talking, a few weeks goes by and my phone goes off and he texts me and says, hey, how's next uh, next Wednesday sound? You know, could I stop by next Wednesday, you know, if we could hunt? And I said, well, sure. And I thought, oh, my goodness, my gosh, maybe this guy really is going to come. Well, that Tuesday before, he, uh, he messaged me and said, hey, I'll be there by dark tomorrow night. So that Wednesday came and old Grant pulls in. Uh, we, we hunted, we just cut blue loose by himself. And I think he treed like, I think he treed like eight or 10 coon in like an hour and a half along this cornfield. And, uh, at that time, the coons were really sitting up around the corn and that's when he really looked great. And, uh, he asked me, he said, man, he said, I, I had heard a lot of people that had, had said that this is the way this dog operates. And he said, does he, does he do this consistently? And I said, well, that's what he's supposed to do, but, you know, I, I wouldn't swear by it every night, but most of the time he, he did look pretty good, but 
anyway, so that's 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 how me and Grant actually met. So he ended up he ended up buying part of Main Street Blue uh, about a year and a half later. He he ended up becoming a part owner on him. So yeah, that's how me and Grant got hooked up, and then that's how we own Cracking together as well out of him. Okay, well, you know, it, I don't want to touch on anything you don't really care to talk about, but you you lost Blue early on. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, you know, yeah, I was. Yeah, you know, I, I don't, I don't know the story about behind that. And if you, if you feel comfortable with it, if you don't mind sharing it with us, I, I'd, I'd yeah, no, like no, yeah, it's a sad deal, but it is. Yeah, he was, uh, he was only six years old. It was actually about a year ago to, to, to the date. Uh, Grant had had him. Uh, he had had him. Uh, he took Kraken, Kraken's brother uh, Brody, and they were all headed out to, uh, to the Grand American last year. They wanted to pleasure hunt blue. He was delivering a couple pups to a guy out in Oklahoma. They he wanted to pleasure hunt before going to the Grand American. So I believe it was, I believe it was Monday night. Uh, he had picked him up from my house on Monday, and they they turned blue loose Monday night there in Oklahoma. Said he, you know, he'd gotten a hole or something, and they loaded him back up, and they let Kraken and Brody out, and they treat a coon. And they loaded them back up, and they started on down the road. They drove for three or four hours and went to get the dogs out to let them go to the bathroom. And they said Blue was just laying there, just stone cold still, just dead. So really, not a hundred percent sure what what caused it, but they think they think that he got into some kind of poison or something is what is what they're what they're thinking. Yeah, it was pretty unfortunate. Uh, not too many dogs come around like him. I really. That's probably probably one of the best dogs that I'll ever cut loose. They don't all live forever. That's the unfortunate thing about dogs, you know. They those those years go by fast. Yeah, they do. And the man, I, I tell you, mine had, they get old quick, especially the good ones. Uh, the ones right. that you enjoy, they just they're never ever around long enough. And it yeah, seems like the ones you don't like, sure. the, you can't get rid of them. <laughs> right. Well, that, yeah, you, the good ones get old. They, they do. They get old fast. And it, I, you know, I do love to see, I do love to see people, you know, when they, when they lose an older dog, it's 13, 14, you know, I think to myself, man, you're, you're lucky if you get one to live that long, to be honest with you. It's cause they, they definitely don't, especially these dogs that are competition oh, yeah. hard. They have a lot more risks you know, a lot more risks involved with, with dogs that are, cause we're going to strange places, strange, strange, strange guides, strange places. You know, we're really kind of at the mercy of wherever people take us, you know, and you really don't have a whole lot of choices other than to turn them loose and hope for the best. Yeah, you bet. I'm one of the lucky ones. The, the old girl that kind of started my English kennels, I still have her. She's 14 nice she's retired obviously but but she gets to live in the house i bring her in when it's cold i bring her in when it's hot she's kind of spoiled now she was one that uh kind of got me fired up about breeding english hounds i bred blue ticks for years and then i love them i love my blue ticks but you know i got a hold of her and and i had some what i thought were really nice blue ticks and put the paws on coon hunting we bought our family farm and when I started back, I got a hold of her, and she did everything those blue ticks did, except she did it faster. She did it more stylishly, and 
man, she could put a coon in a tree in a hurry. And I really yeah. like that about her. And that's what got me fired up about breeding English dogs. And then, and then my two males fell in my lap. I, I, when I started back hunting, I told two or three of my really close hunting friends, I said, you know, I've been out for a little while and, and I had a stud dog when I had blue ticks and I was like, I'm really not interested in trying to promote a stud dog anymore. And JJ and major both fell in my lap and I was like, uh, man, I don't want to do this, but I don't want to have to hunt against <laughs> these rascals either. So, right. So I bought them and the, the rest is history. I'm right now I'm hunting a, a female off of my major dog and JJ's he just turned eight this summer and I've got two grand night females in my kennel off of him. And I got a litter of puppies. Oh, I've got one male left out of a cross of, this is the third time I've made it. And I'm actually about to start hunting grand puppies off of both of those dogs. And oh, I've, that's just, excellent. I've never been one to buy many dogs. But when, when JJ and Major came around, I I had to let go of the pocketbook a little bit and get them. Yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. It's it's hard to come across good young dogs uh, that, that people don't want quite a bit for. And I understand both sides of it. You know, I myself, I'm no, I, I'm no puppy man. You know, I, I'm not great with pups. I kind of consider myself pretty good at getting one getting one going. I, I like to get one ready for the, for the competition hunts. I like to put my time into one. I I'm pretty good at getting one to kind of focus on what it needs to do to get ready for a hunt. Uh, but I'm not very good at starting just green, green puppies. I'm not a very patient, patient man when it comes to puppies, mm -hmm. but I do, man, I do respect, I do respect the heck out of people. Cause I know, Hey, they all got to get started somewhere. Somebody has got to put the time into them when they're, you know, just, just little immature puppies. Yeah. What's some of your goals for the upcoming year for you and Kraken? Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, we're starting to starting to breed him some. So we're kind of trying to let some of these puppies get a little age on them. And we're getting some pretty good reports back from some people that, that have pups off of his first couple litters. But his oldest pups are nine months old. They're still babies, but they're we're not we haven't got official word yet, but I guess there's one in Kentucky out of out of him that that just finished a night champion. So we're we're pretty we're pretty excited about that because she's she was only six months old and is already titled. So we're we're waiting on confirmation wow. from UKC. But yeah, it's pretty pretty incredible. Uh, that litter started really young, and there's like five of them in the litter that are all that are all running and treeing their own coon. So that's quite a that's quite a feat. So anyway, we're we're excited about that, but. We just we got qualified for a lot of for a lot of hunts this you know coming up in the next year like the PKC truck hunt in Mississippi so we're gonna try to we're gonna try to get ready for that in the spring and tournament of champions you know the zones I'm fortunate because the the zone is only about ten minutes from my house so that's kind of a that's kind of a big deal uh, hey, for my about my home for mine yeah excellent you know that's that's makes it so much nicer i i feel bad for the people that have to drive far but at the same time i'm i'm happy that it is here uh it's my home club uh mara county coon hunters is actually hosting uh the zone one of the zones anyway but uh, yeah we're looking forward to that hunt and i need about i think i need about five more cast ones on kraken to have his 50 uh for ukc I'm gonna try to get that done here in the next couple months 
before he turns three, just kind of a, you know, kind of a personal goal. But yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. We're, we're looking forward to keep pushing him in some hunts this next year and see what happens. Well, I did talk to Alan Gingrich at the finals last year and, and unless he's changed his mind, I am happy to report that he has no intention of moving these things around a whole lot. <laughs> so, yeah, well, that's, uh, that's I'm, great. I'm that's excited great. about that. You, I'm not afraid to admit this and, and let everybody know. I'm not climbing hills and hunting coons in the mountains. I just, I'm not able. Yeah. I don't like swimming around in the swamp. So fortunate to live where I live and, and hunt where I hunt, where generally the deepest water that I get in might be knee deep. You know, it, it, I just strive to do it. I know, I know some people prefer one kennel club over the other, but me personally, you know, I, I like both. I like what both have to offer. I just like competing in both. You know, it's not really just about trophies or just about money to me. It's, it's, it's just, I just like it. I, you show me a, show me a competition coon hunt and I don't care what it, what it entails. I just, I just like to compete. Yep. And you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And both, both of the main kennel clubs for hounds, they've really gone all out in the last few years. I don't hunt a lot of PKC. It's, it's been years since I've participated in that. I keep my membership up to date, but sure. you know, there's just where I live actually in the nineties, man, it was a PKC hunt every night somewhere within an hour drive. And, and nowadays I got to go an hour and a half North or hour and a half South to find one. I'm in South Georgia's littered with them around here, but it just, you know, we just kind of let it go away. And I hate that, but at the same time, I think, the guys my age that were doing it either no they no longer hunt or or uh you know they got jobs <laughs> right <laughs> and and i know i know if i was to get involved with a state race i'd be i'd be at it every night i could go turn a dog loose and i don't i don't want to put that kind of commitment to it because i love to i just love to go coon hunting sure you know i can i can take the competition or leave it and i enjoy the competition but man, it's just nothing like going out there and turning the dog loose and listening to them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love to hear, I love to hear a dog open trail coon and come treat with one at the end, you know, doesn't, doesn't matter particularly the breed to me. I just, I prefer English dogs just because that's what I've been around my whole life, but I like to see a good dog any breed go. Oh yeah. Yeah. I like to see a good one and I, I don't mind getting beat by a good one either. Everybody likes to win, but if you're honest with yourself and you've done it a while, you know you're going to lose more than you'll win. As long as it's right and as long as I get out dogged, I'm I'm just as happy either way. I mean, yeah. I just like to see good dogs work. Yeah, absolutely. You know, unless you've got anything else, I think we've shined this tree pretty good. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I yeah. want to say I really appreciate you coming on and agreeing to do this podcast with me. And, you know, this is the first one I've gotten to do. And, and I look forward to getting in the woods with you sometime, Trevor. I really hope y'all enjoyed that interview as much as I did. If you like what you heard here, go on over to Facebook. Give us a like, at Coon Hunting You. Also, go to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review. It really helps us out. And remember, if you need a new hunting light, do not overlook Superior. They make an awesome light, best customer service in the business. Man, their walking light and double red is the brightest I've ever seen. 
Use coupon code CHUPODCAST at checkout at nighthunters.com. You can find the link in the description box below this. Coon Hunting University is a product of Audio Hound Productions. Until next time, y'all have a wonderful day.